0: So what's going on, man? Welcome back to another episode of the Arsenio ESL podcast. And as I've already said, we've gone over the vocabulary preview just recently in the last podcast, and now we're getting into the grit of it all. So today, basically, you're going to listen to a lecture, okay? And what you're going to do is number the main points in order. Now, that's for you to do. The main points, everything is located on the ArsenioBuckShow.com. Now, I'm going to talk about the, the, what is it, the the lecture in general. And then in the next podcast, we're going to talk about Cornell Notes. All right? So we're going to learn how to take notes at the time of listening to a lecture. But let's listen to this. Again, it's a follow-up of what we've already talked about. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to hit the play button, and we're going to get down to brass tacks, baby. Here we go. If it wants to be That was fantastic. So much synergy. Oh my God, that's totally me. Oh my God, it's over here. That's right, here we go. Three, two, one.
1: First and foremost, we need to bear in mind while we are thinking about the problems that the impact of sports on children is potentially very positive. In other words, sports is something we should encourage. At its best, done properly, it motivates children to exercise, enables integration into a social community, and helps them develop psychologically. And it's fun. It enhances the whole childhood experience, in fact. Consequently, any scenario in which sports is viewed as a negative factor should be avoided, if possible. But the sad fact is that sports participation among children is decreasing in many countries, such as the US, where it fell by 10% between 2009 and 2014, according to a survey by the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. And one of the reasons is that children don't enjoy sports as much as they should because of their parents' attitude. The decrease is not only caused by parental involvement, of course. Studies show that economic factors are very significant. But it may help explain the high dropout rate among lesser-achieving children. Increasingly, parents push their children to play sports in the hope that they will go on to become professional sportsmen and sportswomen. Examples such as Tiger Woods from golf and the Williams sisters in tennis show that there are definitely advantages if you can start a child early in their, sorry, your chosen sport. From the parent's perspective, it is a selfless enterprise involving thousands of hours of driving, waiting, and watching and the expense of coaches, club memberships and so on. But although it may be done for the right reasons, it doesn't necessarily translate as positive from the child's perspective. As I just pointed out, it isn't really their choice of sport, since to gain real advantages, you need to start very young. There are videos of Steffi Graf, the tennis player, playing great tennis at four years old. That is not an age where children can possibly know what they want to do. And this trend is on the increase. So the parent's choice may result in sporting success, but an unwanted consequence of it may be a child who is good at something that they don't actually enjoy and didn't choose. The parents, on the other hand, enjoy the prestige of having a successful child and also perhaps the financial benefits that come with some sports. Research does actually suggest that many parents are thinking of the financial aspects when they choose a sport, golf and tennis, for example. And they know that success in school sports can result in scholarships, although the reality is that very few children will go on to gain these. Anyway, moving on to another very relevant point, identity. Now, we know that identity is a key issue in child development. If sports becomes a part of a child's identity, that makes him or her vulnerable. Because if they fail at sports, and sports is their identity, they will feel that they have failed as people. Studies unfortunately show that parental intervention and feedback often includes blaming a child for a team's loss. For example, you missed the winning goal or whatever, and the parent is angry. From the child's point of view, Owing to the fact that they identify themselves with the sport in question, it becomes an attack on themselves and who they are. So the issue of identity is highly significant, I would say. Now, I said earlier that sports is good for children. What did I mean by that? Well, the lessons that can be learned from sports start with learning to lose. That sounds defeatist, perhaps, but sports can be a sort of practice for real life, a training ground. Bear in mind that the job of a parent is to prepare a child to live without them independently. So, preparing them for times when, despite their best efforts, things don't go their way is very valuable. As a result, trying to eliminate loss actually destroys what is probably the main benefit of sports. Then there is teamwork, of course, and learning to perform a designated role in a group setting. Again, very valuable in later life. As I mentioned, Sports helps children integrate into groups, although conversely, being excluded for any reason can be quite damaging for a child. Fitness is a great benefit, obviously. There are studies claiming to show a link between childhood sporting activity and increased life expectancy. And of course, we should remember that some sports do carry risk of injury. Rugby can lead to neck and spinal injuries, for example. All the same. It is important for parents not to be overprotective as this risks causing more damage to children in itself. We can't eliminate all risk. So all things considered from health point of view, sports is certainly good for children.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, this was an excellent five minute uh, recording. Um, There are some good points that I wrote down while listening to this. And again, we're going to get into how to take notes during listening also. But this is very interesting. So first uh, first and foremost, I want to tackle the most important aspect of this, which is vulnerability. Identity equals vulnerability. See, this is what crushes me. If you guys do not know the movie, they're going to be making a remake, as a matter of fact. It's called Friday Night Lights. It's an American football movie. It made it back in 2004. And after that, I think there was only one other uh, football movie that had ever come out uh, because that was such a phenomenal movie. Oh, my God. Just a phenomenal movie and an even more amazing soundtrack. But what what was really sad, there was a runner, running back. His name was Booby Miles. This is back in the 80s, right? He was phenomenal. Then at one given moment, it was a coach's decision that cost him his entire career. So this guy was already getting, I mean, USC, a big time um, university in terms of football back then, Penn State, all of these amazing universities were offering him full ride scholarships to come play for him. He was the best. But one fateful night, the coach, uh, you know, was telling the backup running back to get his helmet. And then he couldn't find it. And then he's like, "Whatever, Booby, get back in." And then the coach, this another coach, was screaming at the back, uh, the backup running back. And then Booby goes in. Boom, his knee goes out. Uh, well, he gets hit, clipped, something like that. And he had to recover. So there was no way that he was going to be able to play for that season. But as stubborn as he was, and even the uncle making a, a, a horrific decision to say, "Oh no, the doctor cleared him to play." No, he didn't. No, he did not. And because the doctor told him not to play, Booby just kept saying, coach, come on, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go during this game when they were getting their ass kicked by, I think, Midland Lean, if I'm not mistaken. And then, boom, he goes out permanently, and that's the end. He goes into the locker room one day, uh, and he's clearing out his locker. He's clearing out his locker with everything. And then while he was clearing out his locker, there goes a book, the Mercedes-Benz, that he wanted to buy. And so he was telling everyone, you know, wishing them best of luck because they had reached the, the state championship rounds. Uh, so I think it was like, you know, 16 teams going into eight, then four, and then until they played Dallas Carter, which was the, the eventual champion in the last, in the wanting second, the wait, wanting seconds of the game. It's crazy. What a hell of a game that was. You can look at the highlights on YouTube, too. But nonetheless, he goes into the car after clearing out his locker room. And he has his head down. He gets into the car. His uncle's looking at him and he starts crying. And then the crying turns into bawling, which is like an intense form of crying. And he's saying, what am I going to do now? All I could do is play football. See, that's what happens when you attach your identity to something. To the point where if you lose that, you lose yourself. There was another guy by the name of, uh, oh my God, Rudolph. Some guy, he was a billionaire, German guy. And he, uh, Tony Robbins had written about him in a book, right? And this guy also attached his finances to his identity to the point where he lost half a billion, what he was worth, and he threw himself off of a building. See, she made an amazing, I mean, that that was a, a very solid, and I mean, an extremely solid point there in terms of attaching your identity to that. I'm gonna give you another example. Remember I told you about sports at my college and the guys that I was running with, you know, they they were very against me. They said, they were saying horrible, harsh things to me. Yeah, and guys, you're only gonna be able to run to about 32 to 33 if you're lucky, like Justin Gatlin, who took like four years off and got banned because of steroid use. You can run to 36, 37. But after track and field, what are you gonna do? Oh, I could become a coach. Well, the thing is in America, you need a BA. Are you going to go back to school and get a BA? See, this is what scared me all the time when I was doing, you know, track and field, because I was doing it for the love of just running. I wasn't doing it for like as a job. And when it became a job at, you know, at college, I was like, I'm done. And I quit like in five to six weeks. And plus with the hostility of the team members, I just felt like it was no longer a team. I thought it was just a cesspool of hate. And so that was one of the best decisions I made because a lot of people be like, "Well, if you don't do sports, what are you going to do? You're not smart academically." Listen, academics revolves around memorizing information. That's all it revolves around. Sorry, I mean you could you know you know you could look up the ideas of the past and whatnot, but the thing, oh, man, we're in a rapidly changing environment. That stuff in academics is completely obsolete now. I'm not going to say all of it. We need our doctors, nurses, and all those greatness, all those great people out there. But political science is garbage. Business administration is garbage. All these obsolete degrees need to become obsolete and disappear forever. So what I'm trying to say here is I didn't go after academics. I was just trying to figure myself out in 2007 and 2008. Until I said, you know what, man, I wanted to be orthodontist. I downgraded to dental hygiene. I didn't want to become a dental hygienist. I downgraded to dental assisting. And so because I downgraded to dental assisting, I finally, you you know, I was like, you know what, let me just see if I really like this career. Luckily, it was only like a one-year certificate, and I absolutely hated the career. But it enabled me to move to Australia for a year on a working subclass visa. After that, I came here to Thailand for six day travel, Japan for seven hours, four hours in Hawaii, and then I made my decision to move here in May of 2013 so dental assistant was the best thing I could have ever done. So, do I still do sports? Yes, I do Spartan competitions. I'm going to Vietnam next, uh, Ho Chi Minh City next February to kick off the Festide. And so I still take care of myself in terms of my body, my health, my everything. It means everything to me in the world, of course. So obviously, without health, it's nothing. That's the number one concern. Not the concern, but the number one thing you must look after. Phrase verb. So there you go. Now, she mentioned, of course, parents' attitude, you know, uh, and it depends on the parents. So that's what I really want to focus on. The parents, they enjoy the prestige, and this is what makes me very angry. Because in African American families, if you look at the Shaquille O'Neal, for example, now he's an investor now, okay, which is fantastic. Best of luck to him. But when he first got his check from the NBA, he spent all of it buying unnecessary garbage. Mom, you want a car? Okay. Dad, you want a car? Okay. (laughs) You know, mommy and daddy should have been there saying, no, what the hell are you doing with your money? See, that's the problem when you have broken mindsets. If you do not, if you're not financially educated, you will buy liabilities. Fortunate enough, you know, um, Shaquille O'Neal went on to make millions and probably hundreds of millions of dollars. But again, that's the prestige that a lot of parents go after. So that's why they push kids at such a young, and, of course, you know, young age. So they can say, go on so you can play professional sports and make us rich. That is absolutely ludicrous. I don't believe in that. And I also don't believe in a lot of, you know, I hear the story or used to hear the story all the time of African-American kids in some of the worst areas, you know, Queensborough projects out there in New York, Washington, D.C., Gary in Davana, Flint, uh, Flint, Michigan, Detroit, Michigan, um, Palm Beach, California, Long, or, or I'm sorry, no, that's Palm, Palm Beach, Palm Beach, Florida, I think. Yeah, Palm Beach, Florida, uh, Compton, California, Watts, California, Inglewood, Pom- Pomona, all of these places, South Phoenix, a lot of these cities primarily, you know, they have just a very African-American population. And then their parents, they're, they, they just want to sit there just as my mother, you know, sat in that specific neighborhood, although there was crime running rampant everywhere. We had two broad daylight break-ins. We had things stolen from us. We heard gunshots all the time. Lots of crazy things. And they just remained in that victim mindset and stood there thinking that someone was going to come in and give her a house. She didn't wanna work for everything. She's just sitting there hoping that something will fall into her lap. That's not how it works. And for the other parents who are like, yeah, my son, he's gonna get me out of this hood and this and that, you're doing that out of prestige. And I think that's apps, that you've lost all sense of parenting. I know a lot, I'm being harsh, but education in these areas is important. Education for middle class around the world, not important. Depending on now common sense, yes. Okay. But we need to learn specific skills in terms of education self control, leadership, confidence, uh, management, so many different sub skills that we need to obtain before going into anything. These are the things that we need to focus on. But, anywho, that's another topic for another day. So, with that, being said, with, that, with that being said, there were some people, who was it? There was a guy. I'm going to top this off with Devon Shedd. Devon Shedd, he went on to get his political science degree. Wonderful guy. Um, he's still on my Facebook. I went to college with him. I dropped out of that team, Central Arizona College. Uh, that was my first year of college outside, 2006 to 2007. And I dropped out of that college, uh, the track and field team, because I told you already. Devon said he didn't. He was a wonderful 400-meter runner. He was very intelligent. And because he did not drop out, he ended up getting himself a National Junior Collegiate Athletic Association championship. He got himself a fat ring. And then I went back, and I'm like, damn, if I would have stayed on that team, I would have gotten it. No, but the thing is, I... I could have possibly been good at it. Maybe I was very average at the hurdles, but I didn't enjoy it anymore. Once you enjoy it, I don't care how much hardware or money comes with it. I can't do it anymore. And I still remember this. I'm going to leave you with this right here. I asked Devon. I said, Devon, do you love running? No. Why do you do it? Because I'm good at it. That, my friends, is the recipe to failure. With that being said, guys, I'm going to leave that with you today. Get ready for some Cordell notes on the next podcast. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.